couple of weeks ago, dear friends of mine brought a particularly inspiring battle to our usual blind testing session, the first Weichrisling from the new venture of Christoph Poltz. This wine simply blew me away, so I was eager to talk to the man behind this magnificent wine and hear his thoughts on Hochreschnitzberg, this is the vineyard where he works on in Styria, but of course also about the variety and his approach to winemaking. Christoph made the impression of a sincere, modest guy who admires fine details, heritage and exceptional quality overall. Even if the first part about the family story doesn't seem that interesting at first, I highly recommend you to hear him out, as it certainly lets you understand him and his wines in more depth. If you want to enjoy his wines, then hurry up, he didn't make one for everyone. Enjoy! Cool! So, Christoph Poltz, thank you very much for taking the time. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for the invitation. So, we are sitting here at uh, half past ten in the... We are having a beautiful breakfast already mm-hmm. but, and i got to know your wines to, uh, through a, a good friend actually i was blown away basically about it because of this rice riesling i really wanted to talk to you because i think it's such a fascinating project because you actually come from a very old and very traditional uh, winemaking family in Syria, right so can you tell mm-hmm. a little bit about your story and how did you actually start uh, with your own project so um, my first vintage in the um, family-driven uh, winery was 2011, where mm-hmm. I was responsible for the winemaking. Mm-hmm. Um, after, um, yeah, after I studied enology in Vienna and had um, uh, a stage in Burgundy, but yeah, I started working in 2011. And in 2020, my my father and my uncle decided to to split up the company parts. There were more parts in the winery. And uh, during this whole big and intense uh, uh, process, um, I decided uh, not to take over the whole winery on my own. It was too big for me after a lot of days, hours and uh, weeks of uh, uh, overthinking everything. And um, I decided not to take over the, the, the whole bigger winery. Um, so that was the point where my brother, um, come into the story and, uh, he said, okay, uh, he will run the winery and if it's okay for me to, uh, stay in the cellar, do the, do the cellar work. I said, okay, um, uh, I can do the cellar work, but at the same time, I want to also focus on, um, my own vineyard. I work on three and a half hectares vineyards, um, or 3.6 hectares of vineyards at the Hochklassensberg. And I said, okay, I can do the cellar, but just the cellar, no presentations and stuff. And I uh, want to do all the vineyard work on my own, as, yeah, as far as it goes. And I also use the cellar here. I'm, I'm just rented in in the, in the own cellar where I work and I do... Um, yeah, my, my my small batch of wines in the cellar yeah. after working hour, yeah. And how was it for you? Because I think a lot of people maybe don't know it internationally, but Polz mm-hmm. is really like a big name also in the Styrian wine world, but also in Austria, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. But how was it for you that you have this actually a big uh, tradition and also a lot of vineyards probably. You had uh, at one point more than 100 mm-hmm. hectares, right? 
the family? Yes, that's what uh, w- uh, 110 hectares at the mm-hmm. peak, uh, we, where we worked uh, 110 hectares winners on our own. And we also uh, bought some grapes from um, uh, wow. wineries <laughs> nearby. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So all in all, it was around 130 hectares, which wow. we worked in, in the cellar. And how do you pick your favorite place if you want just to work on your own or basically two, uh, two or three hectares? How, how do you choose the best part from 110 <laughs> hectares? Uh, no, it, it was it wasn't choosing. Um, it was uh, it was grown because two point two hectares I got from my father in two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. and but uh, I sold the grapes to uh, to the winery. I had no idea of that I will ever work on um, the small part on my own and not taking the big company. It was always okay. okay at some point I will take. The, the, uh-huh. the big uh, company, and in 2018, I had the possibility to to um, rent 1.4 hectares from my neighbor, which is pretty mm-hmm. close to my uh, uh, directly next to to my own vineyard. But I sold the um, uh, the grapes to to the winery. Uh, yeah, and this also should be the long time. Mm-hmm. And 2020. Um, it was the, the moment when my uncle and my father split it up. Then it was Corona. So okay. a lot of time thinking, thinking about where you want to go, think about family. Every, everybody was at home and yeah, <laughs> sitting a lot in the vineyard, in the, in the, in the garden and thinking, well, <laughs> how should the next year's work? So, and mm-hmm. in this point, the, the Corona uh, uh, break was good for a lot of people to uh, think well what we really want where we want to go and um, also for me this was the time where I decided not to run the big company on my own because I mm. I realized that I have a lot of uh, fun working on small details mm-hmm. in vineyard in the cellar and mm. yeah and that is the more interesting part in in winemaking or in wine especially uh, for me to really have a a small part and try to get the best which i define as best out of it for myself yeah to Hmm. a lot of thinking a lot of um planning and then trying to do the best out of the small lens i have yeah this is the part in Hochkrasnitzberg, that's what you got from your father then? Yes, yes. And, mm-hmm. and apart from my neighbor, it's, it's totally next to mine. So it was, it wasn't the plan, it was just growing. And in 2020, I said, okay, I, I really like this part. It, and it's a really good part of Hochkrasnitzberg. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not that there is a really bad part at of class, but, <laughs> uh, but but on a hill you have always the top and the bottom. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it doesn't matter how good a, 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 um, a vineyard is in Styria, you have always a top and bottom. Mm. And in some parts, the the bottom bottoms are better. Uh, now you can say it until so, so like in really dry years, sometimes the the lower part is better. Mm. Because uh, you have more uh, water in the soil and not so um, not so dry, exposed as on the uh-huh. top, yeah. Uh-huh. And in 
really wet and um, years with a lot of humidity. Mm. The, the higher parts are definitely better, more wind. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty much at, at the top. So at the top to 60% down. So I don't have a wind yet at the last 40% from, mm-hmm. from the bottom. That's why it's called also Hochkraschnitzberg because I think it's also Kraschnitzberg is also a crew, right? And Hoch yes, is like yes. high uh, if you don't speak in uh, German. Exactly, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, yeah, it's the high Grasnitzberg. It's, it's a little higher than the, mm-hmm. the Grasnitzberg and it's a little different exposed. So it's, you have the Hochgrasnitzberg goes from southeast, a small part south and then southwest. Okay. And the at the Kadasnitzberg, you have pretty much uh, uh, a east and a west side. There's mm-hmm. no th- south side at the at the uh, at the Glasnitzberg. And and also you have um, a more uh, limestone at the Hochglasnitzberg than at the mm. Glasnitzberg. Yeah. Mm. And also in Styria, it's probably pretty important that you have a southern exposure because it's a kind of a humid climate, right? And it's also yeah. kind of cloudy, so you. You kind of need the sun. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, and the mean um, um, nowadays, it's also it's a little better if you have a southeast because mm-hmm. you have the morning sun to dry mm-hmm. up really early and mm-hmm. not the the full heat at um, at the mid at midday. So mm-hmm. it's um, important, uh, especially when you um, work organic, to get the humidity out of the vineyard and it goes with wind and morning sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. And because Styria, I think, uh, especially for international listeners, uh, I think Styria is maybe in the head as one terroir or one region. But um, as with Burgundy or as with other regions, of course, there are a lot of sub-regions. And I think also with Styria, it's um, more than true, I would say. So can you tell a little bit yeah. about the differences? Uh, what's the, maybe the difference mm-hmm. between the southern part and um, also maybe the eastern part with uh, a more yeah. volcanic soil maybe or where you are located? And Styria, uh, Styria is a pretty small region, but um, you split it in... Um, uh, Vulkanland Steiermark, mm-hmm. uh, Südsteiermark uh, und Weststeiermark. So three parts. Um, all in all, they're not big, but they're so, uh, there are so many differences in the small regions. Um, at, the, uh, at the eastern part, you have much more of the volcanic um, stone base. So that's just um, the southern part of Syria, where you have uh, five village places. Mm-hmm. It's called um, Kitzeksauser. It's the mm-hmm. northern part, which mm-hmm. is much more with uh, schist. Then you have uh, Gamlets, the center part, mm-hmm. with um, mainly sand. Okay. Then you have uh, Ehrenhausen, where we are located. It's uh, the most part of limestone. Um, in Leutschach, it's the, uh, the most south part, it's um, Oppok, it's Kaltmergel, if you mm-hmm. know. And I, in the Eichberg region, you have um, gravel, yeah. And uh, overall, 
with um, a lot of smaller hills. So the combination of height, uh, steepness, soil, you, so you get a, a lot of different terroirs in a small region. Uh, when I told about the five um, uh, villages, it was the plan to combine as, as good as possible the, the terroirs, but it can happen that you have sand, um, limestone, and, 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 and gravel in, in one hill. Hmm. So this is the... Uh, uh, um, it was a try to combine it to make it obvious to, to customers where, it, where the main um, uh, terroirs are based. And mm. yeah, that's the, the, cool. the customer, the idea of how Stira mm -hmm. works because it's, for, you, you mentioned Burgundy. It's also not that big, but it's really hard to get to yeah. know every place because it's also so, yeah. so small yeah, but... structured like we are, yeah. I've only been to Styria once, unfortunately. I'm planning to, to go okay. there again. Maybe also visit your vineyard. But uh, I, I like to compare it more to Tuscany, actually, because in Tuscany yeah. you have a lot yeah. of hills and a lot of exposures, like Burgundy is yeah. kind of very easterly. And, yeah. uh, it's a bit more uh, easier, maybe, to grasp. But um, um, and you mentioned that you are basically in this eastern part where Ehrenhausen is, right? Yes. And uh, what is yeah. the characteristic of, of these wines in general? Mainly limestone-based vineyards. And if I compare it to, um, to the other uh, villages, I would say it's, pr um, it's pretty often that the wines from Ehrenhausen need a little more time than wines from Gamlitzer region or, or Eichberg, um, especially Sauvignon Blanc. Mm -hmm. It's a little more time in the cellar to, to show its full potential. Um, it can have some uh, deep tannins at the beginning, especially when it's young. But um, after one, two years, the, the finesse part of limestone comes out. And it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's so often that it's getting bright. It, it tastes pretty easy at the end. So it's not a hard, um, voluminous, it gets right, acidic, and uh, ends really uh, fine structured, not with mm. full body. And when they are young, they can often uh, end uh, a little hard and rough. So you have to give them the time to show these uh, yeah, the, the, the best worth of limestone. And for me, it's the acidic end of, of, mm. um, of the wines when they got enough time in, in the cellar or, or bottle or barrel, depends on your, mm. your, your style and, and, and especially the uh, variety. The mm -hmm. Sauvignon needs really long and uh, for example, um, doesn't need that much time. And why is also, it? Uh, why is it so? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty. Uh, I don't know the combination of um, maybe uh, uh, tenons and the uh, uh, and um, and limestone seem pretty uh, rough when they're young, even though when you don't have any skin contact. 
but yeah, needs more time. And when we, we taste a lot with our colleagues and when we taste the young wines from the Gamlitz area, they work after mm. yeah one year earlier. And but it's also kind it's of no problem for sandy soil, right? So if you have more sandy um, kind of soil, yeah, and yeah. the wines are yeah. actually more fruity and more easily approachable in in the use, right? Yes. Um, also, limestone is pretty fruity, but the end often can um, seem pretty uh, rough or uh, not really ripe tannins. But yeah, you you just when you realize it once, you just have to give the time mm. to to um, wines. And I think there was also, if you compare it now and five years ago, it was also Corona where, yeah everything um, settled down, it becomes really calm in the region. Mm. Um, and in this time, a lot of wines uh, had a later release date than mm. be before um, Corona and not here, just a lot of colleagues. And I see how uh, big advantage is now on mm. all these wines. So uh, at the family winery here, we um, the 2000, uh, the, the 22 Gebietsweine, also uh, regional wines were bottled, and in in June we start to to bottle the village wines from 21, mm. and then the single vineyards, uh, and then the 20 single vineyards. Mm. So um, uh, you have 20 single vineyards. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The last 120 single vineyards um, are bottled in in June, July, yeah. and also the um, for me the, also the village wines from 21, uh, so one and a half years for the village wines. And mm. when uh, the region started with village, they often came after six months. So it was good, but now um, just with uh, one year more in the in the in the cellar or in the bottle. With no work, just time, you get a much, a, a lot, a much better um, result for for me as a winemaker, and I think also for the customer for mm. to, to drink because you have more pleasure with the with the bottle. Yeah. And, yeah. I can really confirm it because we have now um, from the from the main winery, so to say, from the mm. so from the main false label, so to say, or the mm. old false label. Uh, the Ehrenhausen, so the Ortswein, the Villagewein, mm -hmm. the 19. And a lot of people okay. actually, uh, we have a lot of German guests also. Uh, and they, mm -hmm. um, I think also as the Austrians, or um, we, we drink uh, uh, maybe white wines too young, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people say, yeah, 19, you couldn't sell it. That's why it's still on the list. <laughs> but it's actually, man, it's, it's, it has now the capacity to show itself better. And also, yeah. not only for single vineyards, but also, as you said, also for village wines, or also yeah. uh, maybe also regional wines, because they have the, if, if it was a good year, I think 19 was also in stereo, a very good year, yeah. uh, then they have a good concentration and great lengths, and they have, they, they, they get the complexity what, what the wine deserves, maybe. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I actually have this Morion in front of me, and mm. I can't help but uh, drink again. <laughs> so. <laughs> Maybe uh, we can talk also a little bit about mm -hmm. the Morillon because you have now two uh, wines actually, the Weichriesling and the Morillon, right? Yes. 
And uh, how is it? Because Morion, if you don't know, it's a Chardonnay. It's a local name for Chardonnay. And how is it working with this variety there in Syria? Um, so Mardelon has a long tradition in uh, Syria, as, uh, same as uh, Sauvignon Blanc or Welsh Riesling. And um, so you find it pretty much all over uh, Syria. Uh, and uh, Welsh uh, Mardelon is uh, Mardelon or Chardonnay will grow pretty much everywhere. Mm. So it's not a, a really specific variety. I would say, oh, you definitely have to have these soils. And so you, if you throw a bunch of wines in, in anywhere, it will grow. Uh, but also um, it adapts the style from the, uh, the terroir and, and also the winemaking, the cellar, but um, it adapts the, the style of the terroir pretty much. So it's pretty uh, obvious if you taste uh, uh, Morvillon from sand or from limestone or from schist. Mm. So it, it, it's a really good transporter for the, for, for the soil. Uh, and I think that's also a reason why Morvillon is pretty famous in, in Styria because we have so many different um, combinations of, of terroir that you can have a lot of different styles of Modelon. And in my case, it's, um, I have Modelon uh, on limestone in the middle part of the vineyard or of the hill. So not the totally exposed. Modelon um, comes out pretty, pretty uh, early in the season. So yeah, there is a, a small um, chance of, of frost when you have it in the end of April. Um, and if you have it, um, and if you work organic, and it's you have it, uh, it's pretty much at the bottom with a lot of humidity, the chance of um, Pernospora is, is is really high on the mm. on the Modelon. Um, but Modelon shows it's and on at the the amount of harvesting it's in, in, in this case, it's uh, 3,500 kilos per hectare on, on, on this one. Oh. Yeah, in, in, the, in the, yeah, uh, I would be happier if it's four, four and a half thousand, but yeah. uh, it is what it is. <laughs> the, the last two years, uh, since 2020, um, um, I work uh, organic. So this year will be the first certified uh, vintage. And it's a lot of limestone. Um, not uh, uh, it, it doesn't grow really powerful. So that was the average um, harvest of the last two years. Maybe yeah, it gets a little more the next mm -hmm. years, but it's just information is if you work on high quality wines in Syria, especially also organic, where you can't have tons of grapes um, next to each other because you don't have any air inside. Yeah. Um, you're definitely under 5,000 kilo, I would say. That's a small yeah, number of bottles. Small. Unfortunately, also, it's like 1,300 yeah. bottles. So it's, yes. I hope that the next vintages uh, were a bit more fortunate for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> me, me, me too, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the harvest at, uh, at, um, uh, at the be beginning of uh, October 2020, it's, uh, it's fermented in, um, 
two 500 liter uh, oak barrels, used oak barrels. After one year, um, so at the beginning of harvest 2021, I wrecked it the first time. During mm -hmm. this year, there was no work just topping up, no batonnage, no sulfuring, mm -hmm. um, just topping up. Then I wrecked it and it stayed in the stainless steel tank for another year. Um, then I wrecked it twice to, to uh, get it clear, to, to separate the last fine leaves because yeah. um, I like to, to bottle the wines unfiltered. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm a fan of uh, unfiltered and really clear wines mm. in, the, in, the, um, in, in the glass. I really don't have a problem with, um, with uh, dirty wines, but I try to have it uh, clear in the glass. For me, it's a, it's a sign when you have unfiltered clear wines, it's a sign that the um, that the wine had enough time. Mm. You can't, you cannot make an, a clear, unfiltered wine very fast mm. because you need time to settle, to settle again, and yeah. So yeah. that's my philosophy on this. And yeah, I bottled it August twenty two. Yeah, and uh, in at the beginning of November, December, I, I started to show it to friends and sommeliers restaurants and it started really really slow so there wasn't a, a big presentation with hundreds of people so i just yeah, bottled it labeled it for the next vintages i think i would go for um uh, for two and a half years so one year barrel one year tank half year in the bottle and so now, like February, March would be the perfect time for for these wines to come. You have to understand since uh, since I made the decision in 2020, where I said, okay, I, I won't run the, the big um, winery. I just worked on the wines and on uh, in the cellar and in the vineyard, but I had nothing to show. So mm. there were re really long two years with talking to friends and colleagues that I'm working on stuff, but you can't see it or taste it and in October last year I said okay first winter I start in December because I really want to show it to people yeah, and yeah. yeah cool and uh, because I have my own uh, <laughs> sensation about also the about the Weishlis and I said it I really like mm -hmm. it I really like the Morian as well for me it's as when you said the word dirty I would say that I really like also the wines which had um, like a pleasant dirtiness it's kind of an um like a kind of an uncontrolled way it's not too fruity but it has this yeah. kind of wild kind of yeasty kind of uh, cellar character or aromatic or also especially in the nose and i think this wine has it that you you can actually somehow smell a light oxidation and maybe mm -hmm. but also in the same time a light reduction which is also very common to burgundy so you have this kind of very focused but still a uh, kind of present um, cellular spice, I would say. Mm. And also in the mouth, like uh, the Welsh listening guy, as I we tasted this wine's blind, right? Mm. And I was like, wow, I was at the same time in Styria, but also in the Loire, also a little bit mm. in Burgundy. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like, what is it? 
And I, I never thought that uh, Sarah Brink's actually a Vaishrising, which is that good, because maybe Vaishrising doesn't have uh, the best image also in mm. the German-speaking world, but we can talk about that later. But I think the Morion is also showing like a very similar kind of character, which I also like. So yeah. as uh, because I also really like your labels, because these is a kind of a Burgundian labeling, right? Where, where you have actually the place uh, as a main focus and then the var variety is actually smaller written. And these wines, although they are completely different um, varieties, show a very similar kind of character, which I really like in a, in a winery. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I totally agree. So the style of both wines are pretty much um, the same idea. Mm -hmm. So my, my idea of, of wines or, or winemaking wines, it, um, it's not um, that I have a, a certain idea on a, on a certain variety. For me, all in all, I like to produce and also drink wines, which are uh, when I when I taste it, I I want to feel that they are uh, well balanced, had enough time. Um, I, I don't want to uh, feel uh, have the feeling that I hurt myself when I drink wine. So yeah. too much acidity, too hard oxidation. So. Um, when there's a specific part in a wine which is too loud, I don't feel that this is really harmonic. So I try to uh, wait as long that the uh, reductive phase in the cell is gone, then comes the, uh, the, uh, the oxidation. And mm. when it comes to an end and it gets all the waves get smaller, 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 then I think mm. it's right, now it's the right time to, to sulfur it uh, and, and or bottle it. Uh, I really try to have um, wines where I have the feeling, okay, this is co one complex finished mm. idea. Mm. Um, and that it, often it's really, um, there's often a, a time in the cellar where it's a super uh, reduction, which uh, tastes so, uh, it's a, so a, a sexy reduction. It's, oh, it's, mm. uh, it smells like burgundy. And, <laughs> and the idea of, oh, now bottling, because I want to uh, keep this uh, certain aroma. Um, it's often that I think, yeah, I also like this part, but I know it will de develop and it's not done right, um, mm. yet. Mm. So, and, and on these wines, I, I feel like I got the good point where I said, okay, now the wines are, are done. Uh, for sure, they develop in, in the bottle and it will taste different in five or 10 years. But um, when I try uh, these wines, and often I try it over two weeks, there's a really slight um, evolution of the wine. So it's not like this. Hmm. And that's for me a sign that it will also age um, elegant and not like this. Uh -huh. And will not drop. And and then come again, and but it's a constant like yeah. kind of evolution. Yeah. Um, it should be maybe should it's totally be. <laughs> different when we talk about in two yeah. years, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing with the first vintage. And uh, yeah. and when you talked about the label, yeah, it it reminds on um on a, a burgundy label, but actually it was. I am not really sure if you can um. Ah, that was an old family label, right? I, I saw it on Instagram, maybe. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's cool. That, that's a, that's a historic label for you, actually. Yeah, yeah from the house where I live now. Uh, that yeah. was the label from the vineyards wow. where I work now. Uh, wow, it's um, completely the so same, I, or almost the same. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a, a, another owner name on it, and but it was it's the same, um, hmm. the same uh, font and the same. Um, yeah, it's pretty. A, a lot of the. Um, yeah, wow, that's good that you showed from the, uh, It's good that you showed us. Uh, like this Morian, I would say it has the same kind of uh, taste as I, I already mentioned, and maybe also not really the taste, but the structure. As you also mentioned that you don't like these kind of wines when you have like one component of the wine which is sticking out. Really, my, my congratulations because Thank you. I think this has this kind of dancing kind of acidity, which I really mm -hmm. like in a wine, which is not like a very, very aggressive acidity, which attacks in the mouth and then like a Ferrari wine, basically <laughs> it goes mm -hmm. through your mouth. But it has this kind of dancing acidity, which always comes back basically and carries the aromatic but it's not overly fruity so mm. it has this kind of yeah like kind of, i don't really want to use the word mineralic but i would say the structure is very mineral because mm. it ends kind of it doesn't end broadly but it ends like when you want to make the take the next sip it's like a little bit like a pleasant saltiness and it ends like mm. narrow so to say in the in the mouth mm. and it it has this kind of Queens like Quita, like kind of mm, this yeah. wild aromatics with a really pleasant kind of spice, but really the focus I would say is not on the aromatics and it stays very long, basically stays in your mouth for for a minute. Not only complex, but it's it's a very developing wine on the palate, which uh, I think this is what we like, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for the words, and that's also a sign for me. It can be. Uh, uh, nice and and the nose, but what really shows off the quality from a wine is for me how long does it uh, develop uh, in the palate, and if mm. it stays for half a half a minute or a minute, yeah. yeah. Uh, so all, for me, all um all really really good wines I tasted. There's no wine which is really short, so there's yeah. also a, a, a certain length in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and also really great concentration. Yeah. So it's not heavy, no no sign of any heaviness. Mm. It has light, maybe like tannin, I would say, like a light um, um, mm. Gerbstoff, you know, like a, it stays, uh, yeah. it has a pleasant weight, so to say, but it's really just to, to give a vine a, a certain texture, which, uh, which carries them or which, which then stays basically in your mouth. But it, all components of the wines, like this acidity, like this texture and, and the aromatics, everything is, is such, such a harmonious uh, kind of flow in the, in the mouth, I would say. And it's, it's basically still a young wine, so it's 2020. It is, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the, the, to the evolution of this wine in the, in the, in the yeah. bottle. And can you talk a little yeah. bit about these varieties? Because um, uh, you talked about Morium, but Weichsrissing, it's a mm -hmm. quiet late ripening variety, right? It's, it's ripening yes. later than Chardonnay. So, yeah. But it's basically the yeah. same vineyard, or is it like Weichsrissing, it's a bit higher, right? As you mentioned. Um, uh, not the highest part is Sauvignon on the Hochklassen spec for me. Uh, okay. One part of Weichsrissing is higher, and one part is pretty 
directly next to the to the Mordelon. Okay. Welsh uh, Riesling is arriving uh, later. Um, uh, if we go back a few year, a few years, 30, 40 years, Welsh uh, Riesling is still the most planted variety in Styria, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and 40 years or 50 years ago, Welsh Riesling was good because you have uh, Welsh Riesling can have um, a lot of. Uh, Grapes or a lot of yeah. um, ha- uh, crop, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no um, potential of, of frosts. Um, mm. They are pretty um, rough in the vineyard. It's not mm. uh, growing too too fast. Uh-huh. Uh, you have always good acidity. Sugar doesn't explode like it's on Muscatella or on, on yeah. Sauvignon, and so my, my grandpa, they, they had they just had really uh, big um, yeah, harvesting amounts, uh, good acidity, which was important in, in, uh, in these times. And, yeah. and so Weltschleesing was just the easy drinking, low alcohol um, wine when you have uh, uh, lunch at the Buschenschank. So... Uh, bread, uh, sausages, so easy drinking wine. Mm. Um, and this was made over uh, decades, this style of Welsh Riesling. And so a few years ago, like 10 years ago, there was an idea of, okay, when there's a, a when we have, now we have old uh, wines where my grand or our, I'm not just talking for me, also for, for colleagues, where our um, grandparents or our parents uh, planted uh, Welsh leasing in the 80s on, um, on good uh, vineyards, where we now know what are the really good vineyards. Mm-hmm. We also have old wines of Welsh leasing. When they started, they trusted young wines, so it's, you yeah. can't have the greatest deepness in a wine with uh, young wines. And... So uh, a few winemakers or producers start to see, okay, what can do Welsh Riesling also? And it was a harvested riper, not uh, not too many kilos per, per wine, um, natural fermentation in barrels. And yeah, over the last years, there are uh, more and more really, really good Welsh Rieslings are popping out. It's not that you have hundreds, but you have... Uh, some or uh, a good handful of producers which uh, take yeah. uh, in Styria, which are focused also on the Welsh leasing a, a little bit more and and also in southern Burgerland. Yeah, yeah, but okay. also, um, there was the tradition. Um, it, I think it was just in Styria where we we where we uh, held down the Welsh leasing like uh, a lot of acidity, low sugar, and just. Just, just easy drinking. Uh-huh. When you go to um, Burgenland or to, to Hungary, there was mm. a little more way. Okay, sweet wine or more uh-huh. full-bodied Welsh Riesling. So yeah. it was yeah. just in. So the uh, it was a little different style. Yeah, but now when you sh- look like yeah, Rechnitz or Südburgenland, and there was yeah. a, a. But really do you think that the Welsh Riesling was kind of a misunderstood variety in Styria? 
And now you and you basically place maybe too much emphasis on Sauvignon Blanc or other varieties. And now maybe it's time for Weisswissing to maybe because as a more neutral variety than those varieties, mm -hmm. maybe they can show the terroir better. And that's why maybe Morion and Weisswissing may have a better future or maybe more have more focus. Uh, there were a few questions. Um, like, <laughs> I think. Um, it wasn't misunderstood, it was just a different time. Uh, people, uh, wine drinkers and producers in the 70s, um, there was another Aufgabenstellung, um, uh, discipline uh -huh. to work on. They wanted easy drinking light wines and uh, the producers uh, said, okay, which variety can do something this, okay, eventually. Uh -huh. It was the, uh, sense of time. Yeah. Now uh, it it definitely changes. Um, what I see on the Welsh feeling compared, uh, for example, to Sauvignon Blanc is uh, a really really big advantage of Welsh feeling is that it's ripened late, mm. good acidity, and lower alcohol. Mm -hmm. and, um, um, and when you uh, think over the next few years. When when uh, we have more extremes in the in the weather mm. and especially the heat, uh, Wiesling uh, has the possibility also in warmer years to have uh, delightful, light, easy drinking, acidic wines. Uh, just one point when you compare it to Morvelon or Sauvignon, I'm not really sure how uh, how really really complex the variety combined with the aging potential is. Mm. So um, when you have 30 year old Sauvignons, it's can, uh, Sauvignons from the 90s or uh, uh, 1990, 1991, it was mind blowing mm. if you get a really good bottle. Um, and Welschling compared to Chardonnay or Sauvignon often does not have these deepness structure at the end mm. or, um, or, or the length, uh, for example, what Sauvignon can have. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Sauvignon has more fruit and it's some say, okay, fruit is totally out of time. We just want neutral varieties, but Sauvignon has definitely the potential to show the, the soils and to age well. And Welschwiesling, I often complain it like it's uh, the Sturian Aligoté. It's easy drinking, it's light, but I'm not sure if it's that complex, like a really, really good made Morvelon. Uh, I, I really, uh, don't understand me wrong, I really love Welsh Riesling, and I'm also a fan, and I also will plant Welsh Riesling when I uh, get uh, rid of some other uh, older wines, but from the complexity, from when you talk about great wines, the the chance of a great wine is on I think on Chardonnay or Sauvignon maybe a little higher than on Belgian mm. uh, mm. because at the end I think it's a little part of the complexity which where Belgian does not have the hundred percent mm -hmm. but it's a question do we always need the high end greatest wines so I think mm -hmm. a, a lot of people are so overdrunk of, of high end wines that when you now get a Welsh like that is it's okay easy to drink not too 
um, overthought. So it's not, uh, you can just drink it. You have a well-balanced glass of wine, good acidity and yeah, everything you mm. want at, at this moment. And I think it's a little a sense of time what vegetables now is for wine drinkers, sommeliers and producers because uh. good acidity, not too much fruit, really gentle. Yeah. But maybe not the last complexity as other varieties. Yeah. But I heard that you have other varieties also in, in Hochfischmissberg. Yes. Yeah. I heard about Riesling and Blaufränkisch. So can you tell yeah. a little bit about the future maybe? Yeah. Um, so when my father and my mother planted the, the winery, uh, the, winery the, the, the vineyard Hochklassensberg, they were not sure if they get more vineyards in the future or not. Or does they just have this amount of vineyards? So my father said, okay, when we just do this amount, I have to have all varieties in this mm -hmm. place. So I plant eventually, I also have Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. On the <laughs> and um, so now I'm, at the moment, I try to figure out from my, for me and the vineyard and the future, which varieties with style make sense for me now and in the next 10 20 30 years so uh there's def uh, and in the meantime so, uh, i sold some varieties to the the main winery to my brother especially uh -huh. at the beginning where i said to my brother okay i don't need all the um the grapes uh i also need a little um a little money to to wait as long as i want with the mm -hmm. other wines so I sold a um, few varieties, but there's definitely Blaufränkisch coming. I'm, I'm just not sure when, but I have 20, 21, 22 in the cellar or in the barrel right now. Cool. Really, um, for me, the most um, most interesting part working on some reds now because yeah. on whites, there is a certain um, experience now over yeah. the over the years. But on Blaufränkisch, and it's also er everything planted in... Uh, 87 so they're also 35 uh, 35 years old now mm. um, and I'm just yeah looking what is working how especially on the reds and on on uh, Sauvignon and Riesling I try to figure out which parts I I like the most which parts work uh, different on on which vintages which style of um, winification uh, with, uh, means uh, bigger oak casks and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, doing a lot of thinking, tasting and planning where the, the journey should go. For example, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Cabernet Sauvignon will not be my main variety <laughs> in the next five, 10 years, but because it's always just getting ripe once in 10 years. Mm. And but um, but maybe so it's good for rosé, you know. You have yeah. to keep the, <laughs> yeah. keep up the cash flow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just yeah, um, just maybe a, a smaller question about Blaufränkisch and uh, yeah, because you mentioned you worked in Burgundy, right? Yeah. At which houses? Uh, no, I, I just worked at uh, Domaine Rouleau in Versailles. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So we basically worked on the the whites. Right. Okay. Mainly, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think um, the um, the best blau Frankishes are basically made uh, by those who drink Pinot Noir, 
and that's why I, <laughs> I was curious where you worked better. Sorry, Adele. Yeah. But because Blau Frankish, I think mm-hmm. it's a very um yesterday, for example, I did a blind testing for a for a group of uh, guests and um we uh, drank uh, Uber Erwald, but uh, 20, so mm-hmm. it's, it was really a baby mod. But that was then we drank a, a Fneisel, mm-hmm. so from Mitteburgerland that mm-hmm. was really like fat and and you know very mm-hmm. a mouthful. And then uh, we drank a Spitzerberg from the from the Dörrle So yeah. it was really three different ki- kinds of school, mm-hmm. but it was really like showing which kind of winner has, um, uh, you know, this kind of Burgundian idea in the head yeah. and the, what is maybe a bit more uh, muscular and maybe, but sorry to interrupt, but I think I'm, I'm really excited no, no, about the, yeah. the Blau Frankish because uh, as you mentioned, you also have more experience with white wines and that's, that yeah. would be also probably the biggest project for you. Yeah, and it's, yeah, me, a, a lot of, um... Uh, calling colleagues in 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 Südburgenland and stuff. Yeah. Too. Um, a lot of questions and yeah, also try different types of uh, um um of yeah maturation, a whole bunch, not whole bunch, everything uh-huh. is stamped. So it's pretty <laughs> interesting from for for me to learn. Okay, how does Blaufränkisch work in our region? Yeah. And yeah. so uh. I, I I like to wait one year longer to to really find my way on a certain variety than just come because okay now it's just a good wine so mm-hmm. I really um yeah I want to wait and everything what should come to the bottle should really work yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah cool but it's also kind of a luxury right because you don't have this kind of time pressure to wow you have to bring out the wine and yes yes that was uh, also the reason why uh selling some grapes mm. and uh yeah and I um, still work here as a um as a cellar master at the winery uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh but that was the the main part for me especially at the beginning i don't want to uh, I really on um, the really good quality winemaking. The, the, I, I never thought of okay, let's do the the vineyard uh, on my own and then bring the the, the youngest yeah. unfinished wines. So that was mm. never the plan. Yeah. Cool. And uh, sorry, I interrupted you. So you said yeah. also blau Frankish and what which other varieties do you have? Uh, and uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Mm-hmm. Just just a little of uh, a real real small amount of um, Weißburgunder and mm-hmm. the Wiesling, but the the Rheinland Wiesling at the moment I am selling to my brother at the mm-hmm. Rhinery. and yeah and the Cabernet Sauvignon and uh, I will definitely get rid of the Cabernet, but I'm not sure if I um I am just thinking about uh planting a new vineyard or um, uh, leave the old wines and just put a um, different right. variety mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. I'm really so excited. So there's a, a, a lot of, uh, yeah, thinking and planning and tasting and looking and talking to people. and uh, yeah. But um, now I just tasted the, the Weichlis link and mm-hmm. I think, oh, what? Maybe I, I tell my idea about the, the differences because 
as, uh, as I already said, the structure is very, very similar, I would say. Um, uh, Vaishnism definitely has a more acidity or like an acidic feeling for me. Uh, and very like this lime, limey, citrusy, testy kind of uh, like herby, maybe a bit mm. more herby, a bit more maybe greeniness. But um, for me, actually, maybe it's already in the use, but I, I would contradict what you said because for me, Vesh reasoning, it has a more length for me than the mm -hmm. Marion, or maybe it's a bit more. Um, I don't know, lingering, you know, this kind of vibrating kind of yeah. um, mineralis. I, I don't really find the, the good verse for this, but it's, it's kind of an electric kind of vibration in the finish, mm -hmm. you know, which is very rarely found. Uh... Um, yeah, for, for me, it's also, um, especially on this vintage, um, the vegetable a little more uh, crispy. So it's not yeah, hard, it's not exactly. acidic hard, but it's just, um it's um knackig. Uh, <laughs> yeah knackig yeah and, and yeah, refreshing crispy, yeah. but mm -hmm. uh, but not but not too young and uh, yeah. in this case would uh, just uh, also would say that at, at the moment a little more length than the modern yeah. one mm. before i was just talking overall variety over yeah, yeah. an average so, of a lot of vintages um yeah but for me at the moment the thing pretty um it's hitting pretty much all the the parts i like on now drinking wine so there's a, a um a acidic part and a, uh, that you want to um taste again and again and again yeah yeah uh, so for me it's a good sign when when you drink you drink you drink you uh, you talk over other stuff and think i can have enough, i can have more 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 and after the half bottle you're just okay what are we drinking we're yeah. just drinking this whole time and uh, yeah, uh, yeah yeah it's and a bit dangerous yeah. but this this wine is hard to resist <laughs> i mean also we were like the four of us but i think the, the bottle was like in 15 minutes gone <laughs> it's really but it doesn't it's not also it's not a very light wine so it has 15 alcohol 13.5 yeah. uh, yeah. so yeah. it's also but it doesn't but it doesn't feel like that actually uh the, the vintage 2020 does not really be the best example for uh low sugar and high acidity because also the acidity is not too high on this okay uh, for a wieseling um but it was harvested at the middle of october in 2020 maybe i i'm not sure how it would be six days earlier but yeah it is how it did what it yeah. is the, the the most important part is that it's not getting that it still tastes acidic it doesn't yeah. have to be on the on the uh at the number the city shouldn't be high yeah. but uh it should taste acidic and refreshing yeah. and much more important is that you don't feel alcohol so because yeah. that's the drinking killer when you when it's getting too alcoholic it's yeah not really good to drink um but then the the 21 and then the 22 the alcohol is lower also so the 21 is lower and the 22 is also again lower 
mm. I, I picked it a little earlier, the, the two vintages afterwards, and yeah, now we'll see what 23 brings. And when do you come out with the new vintage, with the 21? Um, I think it, w- it, it will get pretty hard to resist, but um, approximately in one year. Yeah. Okay. Wow. But I just tasted it um, two days ago with uh, Gross Michael, which was yeah. at the podcast together. Yeah, exactly. I, I think um, we tasted uh, just the samples and we tasted it together. And yeah, I really liked it. And it's hard sure. when you like your wines and you know, okay, you should wait the year that it uh-huh. gets really better. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the plan. So maybe uh, pretty much in one year. So then after two and a half years, one year barrel, one year tank, half year bottle. Mm. Do you also come out with the Sauvignon in one year? Um, so there's, um, I'm not sure. We also tasted all the Sauvignons on, on, on Monday, but um, the, the earliest part for the Sauvignon for the 20 will be around um, autumn. Okay. So October, yeah. But there's that the, the 2020 still left, mm-hmm. and which is uh, at the moment uh, stainless steel and yeah, tasting. And, all, uh, and how was the vintage uh, variation between 20 and 21, Mysteria? Um, 20 was a little uh, warmer, a little less acidic. Um, the amount was. The crop was pretty uh, okay, but I think all in all, the quality in the region of 21 is a little higher than on 22. But mm. since uh, there wasn't really a bad vintage the last years, when you go back to 16 with the frost, uh. 14 with uh, hard ripeness, a lot of... Um, uh, rainfall, so it was 18, 19, 20, 21, they were all good harvests, uh, uh, good vintages, but um, in a different style. So the 20s were just, they never were hard, they were always gentle to drink, but mm. the 21 are a little more acidic, mm. a little, there's more pureness in the 21s, I guess, and the 20s are, yeah, really uh they're not complicated the 20s and the 21 is yeah more acidic a little more complex i guess and and less um less alcohol and a little higher acidity wow that is good of airbung <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't wait for the 21 really then because uh i think as a as a first vintage uh from a Obviously, you didn't uh, start making wine uh, in mm. 2020, but uh, I think as a first vintage from a, a young winery or from a young label, it's it's pretty mesmerizing. Really, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Cool. And uh, I would have a, a one more question, maybe. Uh, what is your final idea uh, for you or for your wines? What What do you want mm-hmm. to accomplish? Maybe you want to grow in size or you want to work with other varieties or what's what's do you have like maybe a main idea a main goal in, in 10 years or something um at the moment the idea would be to because i have the advantage with just work 
uh, on uh, old wines. Mm-hmm. So the youngest wines I work on are 24 years old. So it's no totally young wines. Yeah. And the older, oldest one are um, 36 now. Um, or the main part is 36 now. Um, for me, the main goal is to get to know my small uh, uh, piece of land, so the 3.6 hectares, um, to get to know them uh, as good as possible, hmm. to, to know exactly where I can get which quality uh, and when, because I think in the detail I can get out much more than I do now. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, um, I'm pretty sure there's a uh, that there should be a, a, a evolution in quality over the next years because in the in the cellar I have a, um, over the years now I have an idea in the cellar what is um, what is needed to make a complex wine mm-hmm. like so okay the, this part is I have a, a solid idea now it's the, the working in the vineyard to um, and also to yeah bring everything in bottle from my own vineyard. Mm-hmm. So all in all, there's a possibility to make around ten thousand bottles a mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. from uh, from my vineyards. And if uh, so, I um, so I want to grow in in idea and in in my wines. But it, I, I, I have no idea in, in three years when I get offered a uh, high-end vineyard, I, I, I would not say never. No. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, the plan is I, I just want to surround myself with a good qu- quality handwork. And yeah, so mm. when there's a vineyard, it's, it, there has to really... Um, be a really, really, really good potential. Uh, potential. So it's not about the kilos; it's about the yeah, the quality. quality. And and when I when I really bottle the ten thousand uh, bottles, they also have to be sold. Uh, sold. But yeah, that would be the next goal for the next five ten years. Well, with the last part, yeah. I, I I can happily help you if you are sell those at the gastronomy. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be an ambassador. Like, <laughs> mind, <so. laughs> Thank cool. you. It's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Super, Christoph. Would you like to add something more? I think I pretty told everything I have to, and yeah. Cool. Because we can also talk uh, maybe when you bring out the next wines. Um, we yeah. can also talk about maybe the Sauvignon and the Blau Frankish. That would be nice. I will give you definitely information to one. Cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much, Christoph. Really, it, uh, it was very uh, um, an, an intimate look into your, I think, also mm-hmm. into your winemaking and uh, into your thoughts, thoughts, thoughts process. And the wines are amazing. So good luck. Thank, Thank you. you for the invitation and yeah, all the best. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you've liked this episode and gonna follow this guy through his Wittner journey in the next decades as well. If you like this style of Wittner brain picking, please leave a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify or just follow the Wine Ghosts on Instagram. 
for more wine adventures. It helps me a lot as well. Thanks and be the wine goes be with you.